folks, Gavin Roth here with episode 26 of the Roth Revenue Podcast. This is the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing series and the first dealing with the impact COVID-19 is having on the sponsorship and sports marketing space. I firmly believe that from crisis comes innovation. Many have used that term lately. People and businesses are forced to reimagine how they operate. The virtual economy has arrived in force. Brands like Zoom, Twitch, Peloton, and Skip the Dishes are poised to become a large part of our lives, much more so than they were even three to four weeks ago. And on a very micro level, this is my first video podcast and my first panel discussion, and the plan is to keep them coming. I'm joined here by Sarah Stovold, Ian Malcolm, and Carrie Kaplan. Sarah is Managing Director of Next Wave by IMI. IMI has an ongoing coronavirus tracking study to contextualize trend and provide fact-based insight around evolving consumer attitudes and behaviors. Ian is president and CEO of Lumency. He's been on the podcast before. Lumency is a leading sponsorship, XM, and content agency that represents brands like Toyota, Labatt, General Mills, and TELUS, among others. And Carrie is president and CEO of Cosmo Sports and Entertainment, a top full-service S&E marketing firm with an unparalleled track record in ticket sales. These are three great authorities with perspective on how the pandemic touches the sponsorship marketing space. Now, as mentioned in the podcast, we can all agree that there are far more important matters facing people and businesses than how sponsorship marketing plans have been turned upside down. Our chat covers four themes, impact, the new normal, helping moment, and optimism. And you may be surprised by the level of optimism that comes through in our conversation. I hope you enjoy. And for more episodes of the Roth Revenue Podcast, follow me on LinkedIn, visit Spotify, SoundCloud, or check out RothRevenue.com. First off, thanks everybody for doing this. Um, I, I certainly didn't anticipate uh, an episode of my, my sponsorship marketing podcast dealing with the impact of a global pandemic. Um, and let me caveat everything by saying, I know we are aligned on the fact that there are far more important uh, matters facing people and business uh, right now than how sponsorship marketing plans have been turned upside down. So I think we can all agree on that. Um, there, there are four themes I'd like to cover in this conversation. One is impact. Uh, the other one's new normal, um, helping moment, um, and optimism. I want to close on optimism. I think when I sent you notes, I actually put it in the middle, but I'd like to close on optimism. Lord knows we all need it right now. So um, from an impact standpoint, why don't I just start with how are you all doing? Like this is a crazy new reality we're facing. Um, maybe uh, uh, Sarah, I'll, I'll start with you. Like how's, give us a little insight into how this has kind of uh, turned you. You've got all these inspirational sayings behind you, but I have a feeling you had those before. I did, I did, yeah. but I still, I need them more than ever. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the impact is unquestionable. I mean, when, when everybody in the world is affected by something in one way or another, whether it's your concern about your health or concern about your finances, which we know is prevalent across the globe and especially in Canada. I mean, when you talk to people about when we expect this whole thing to be over, Canadians are telling us September. We've got, you know, in the 80s in terms of percent concerned about their personal health and more than 70 concerned about their finances. So at this second, 
you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's absolutely impacting all of us. Absolutely. Uh, so if you're if you're healthy and you're lucky and you're feeling fortunate about that, you're figuring out how to pay rent. So um, I think that all of us, I mean, from a personal and from a business perspective, would would absolutely say this is impacting every part of how we're existing in this moment. But to jump to the optimistic piece, I think we can agree that this is a moment in time and that this will be over at some point. And so focusing on how to come out the other side a little bit stronger and learn a couple of things along the way is really important. Well said. Uh, I don't need to ask you to then. That was uh, pretty comprehensive. Carrie, <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, what are your uh, thoughts? Yeah, you know, yeah, you, you're, I've known you for a long time. You're an optimistic guy. Yeah, and optimistic. We'll, we'll talk about that. But I think, but it's hard not to agree with what Sarah's saying. I mean, you, I think probably World War II, which is, I believe, uh, predates all of us. Really, it was probably the last time that the world. It wasn't, it's bigger than, you know, from a world, it's not, you know, 9-11 was impacted, you know, the States and us and yes, uh, plane travel for a while. And, but, but every single country in the world is in essence on lockdown. It's, um, I think it's just health first. I think that's no matter what you can, I think it's almost not right to, even as you stated it, Gavin, at the beginning, I think it doesn't, it doesn't feel right to even have these conversations without saying, um, you know, let's be healthy and, you know, it hit a million people last night. So, um, so I think that's, yes, it's where I'm, you know, I'm in sports and entertainment. So that industry closed, like it's officially closed in the entire world. There is no, I think I was watching, I said to Gavin, I'm looking for like, there is, there is inter-squad baseball in South Korea. And that is yeah. the, that is the Absolutely. most significant. That's the right. So you cling, cling to optimism. I think that is the closest thing in the world to uh, uh, to sports and entertainment. So it's yeah, of course, it's just, it's affecting everybody. And I, I I tell people I have not looked forward to yard work more in my life. So that that might be a one. Uh, and I'm the least sandy and and uh, yard worky person there is. Ian, uh, good morning. Thanks for thanks for having me. Um, this morning, um, I, I echo the, the the other panelists where you sort of uh, anchor to gratitude a little bit more about what you do have, and and certainly health is first. I, I have uh, parents in their eighties, so I'm concerned about them. Um, that said, my mother spent the first part of her life growing up in London in the world uh, in World War II, and my father talked about uh, polio epidemic and tuberculosis epidemic when he was a kid. So I think we've had um, such a long run of really good luck as a society um, that we're just not used to dealing with this. And if we talk to our grandparents or our great grandparents, this might be just sort of de rigueur. So I think anchoring to, uh, anchoring to gratitude is really important. Um, and, and just um, appreciating things that we can't do now. Like I, I long to go and sit on a patio and have a beer. I uh, I don't remember what it was like to be outside my neighborhood. Almost, uh, you know, it's yeah. uh, it's just a big change to life. But but we're we're here and we're healthy, and hopefully all of our loved ones are as well. Yeah, a friend uh, of mine uh, came back from Mexico just before and went into self quarantine, and we were all very proud of her for you know adhering. That's such an important thing now. We're all worried that people would come back 
um, are not playing by the rules. And she was just, you know, every day was a countdown. Day 11, day 12, day 13, I'm losing my mind. I can't wait to go out for a walk. You know, like that was just simple things that we get back to cherishing the simple things, which, you know, I'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about that during the chat that it's maybe re reconnected us with the simple things that matter. So there are some interesting silver linings. Um, from, from a business standpoint, today you wake up today and you're all in business, Sarah, with a uh, tremendous and respected uh, global research firm, IMI, and carry with one of the top sports marketing agencies in the country, Cosmos, and Ian with one of the top XM sponsorship agencies, Lumency. You, got, you guys are all really at the forefront of what you do, but today you operate in a very different way. You wake up to different dynamics and ways of doing business than you personally in your respective business than you did six to eight weeks ago, four weeks ago, three weeks ago. Um, you know, Carrie, how are things different like in the way you, you're conducting business today? What are the dynamics you're facing that you didn't face then? Yeah, well, as I said, I mean, it's 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 everything's turned upside down. It's totally different. I mean, the the, the simple thing is the way we're communicating. We're all virtual, and we're you know we're having a lot of. I've become. Uh, I was a not a star. I'm not saying I'm a star at video chat, but I'm doing uh, eight of them a day. So that's. I, I can attest, he was not. He was not a star. <laughs> He's miss, come a long way. Yeah. I still have to do some work on my backgrounds and my. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any of the quotes or Gavin's got a nice picture there. So yeah, you're yeah. Guys are good. but, yeah, but so that's just the, the uh, that's the practical side of it. But I think from a, I don't even, I'm not sure if this is exactly answering your question and every industry and every organization is affected differently. I think what we're trying to do um, as a company and then with our clients is to avoid panic. And, you know, some, you know, there's some people that have to panic, you know, that they, they don't see an out and maybe they're in a certain amount of debt or, but I found certain sports organizations, for instance, um, uh, have handled it very differently. Some groups have closed or laid everybody off or laid massive amounts of people off and others have tried to, I think, um, Ian and Sarah, you guys both mentioned this, um, Obviously, the hope and the feeling is it's a moment of time. We don't know how long the moment is, if it's two months or four months, but that something oh, Sarah, is... Sarah knows. Sarah knows. She'll tell us. <laughs> Sarah Sarah. Yeah. But, the, but it's sort of thinking, okay, what's your 2021? You know, I think that the... that um, the, And I we're trying to keep people as best as we can from panic and as a business and saying, okay, if you can be strong and weather the storm which is a you know apt expression i think um there's it's it's a it's a funny awkward word to use but there's opportunity for those people who can effectively weather the storm and in our industry we're seeing that it's a it's a big range there are a lot of of companies um again entertainment events that are on full shutdown locked on lockdown panic and i think if you can avoid it our recommendation is if you're if you don't have to go that route, uh, trying to. Well, there's a lot of good people in a lot of organizations. It's just the, the last part. I think most people um, want to work, as opposed to be even if you got the exact same money to be laid off versus working. I think most people they want to work, and I think we're trying to um, find ways to encourage uh, again groups not to panic. Yeah, 
Yeah. Ian? Uh, well, there's a couple of ways to answer that. One would be um, we're, we're a, a brand side agency. So how are we talking to our clients about um, how they respond? Um, and this isn't suggesting this is our direct advice to all of our clients because um, the, the advice would go to any brand where this is the time to anchor to what your brand stands for. And it's what you do in this 10 week period that will be remembered for the next 10 years. And um, probably uh, put EBITDA to the side and focus on, on liquidity and sustainment for your, for your business um, and distinguish the difference between selling moments and helping moments. You, I think Kevin, you and I just talked about this a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, sales moments will come if you manage the helping moments properly now. Um, and then from our business perspective, uh, we, we've been working on Zoom. We're, we're in multi-geographies for, as a team, and we've been working on Zoom for probably three and a half years now. So we're very used to this. And I think what, what some organizations are recognizing that they don't have agility and flexibility built into their structure as it is, and I think they're finding it harder to adapt. Um, we're finishing off three weeks working from home with our Canadian team, four weeks with our U.S. team. And it's been pretty, pretty seamless. Um, it certainly emphasizes the importance of face-to-face and being together in a room. I think there's some chat around that this may be the new normal, that we'll all be much more comfortable working from home. But we certainly see, including from our younger team members, the strain of just not having the, the, the human connection in the, in the traditional sense. Um, but we're, we're doing things in our business. and, and it, Stop me if I'm taking this to the wrong place, but um, we we do uh, biweekly all hands meetings. Uh, we have daily team standups for 15 minutes where a team comes together and talks about what they've got going on for the day. We have a virtual lunchroom open every day. We have virtual happy hour on Fridays. Yeah. Uh, finding ways to to connect people and making sure that everyone is okay. Um, in in at the end of week two, we we counseled our team if they lived alone, go and stay with somebody. Because if you're working from home and you're living alone in a small downtown Toronto or downtown New York condo, uh, that can be a tough, a tough week. Yeah, no, that was that was that was great and different answers, but both very relevant to the topic. Before I get to Sarah, it's, it's that I remember when I spoke to you early, uh, Ian. It was uh, you mentioned some of that, and I thought it was very uh, insightful and and uh, that young person part is an interesting one. You know, in some ways you think young millennials and what you know young execs would would be comfortable with this the the you know work from home and the virtual the shift to virtual the virtual economy. But in the face of a global pandemic, I find that's one of the more vulnerable groups. And those of us with perspectives, I've said this to many people, um, you know, whether whatever the term is, but I've worked through 9-11 and SARS and seen, you know, things uh, that and, and it's it, it perspective and scar tissue is uh, is a healthy thing at times like this. And some of the younger execs haven't had that. And so it's jarring to them and scary. So it's important. For us to provide that leadership, right, Sarah? Where you're, oh, sorry, going yeah, yeah. Sorry, just to cut in. I think it's also a, a, and Sarah can speak to this better than I. But it's a demographic proposition. Um, our our younger team members or younger consumers, their lifestyle is about being out being out in the world and exploring. Um, people in our age range um, 
are, are maybe more used to, we've, we've gone through that stage of our life and being at home is part of what we're do, we do anyway. Um, yeah. And just the, the, the lack of ability for someone in their 20s to, to be out exploring the world and, and living their usual lifestyle adds some strain. Uh, one of my good friends who's about my age said, is it wrong that I don't, I don't want to leave my house? Like I'm quite happy here with my books and my TiVo and a TiVo is going to leave myself my Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have a TiVo. <laughs> okay, yeah, for the record, you know, I, I can edit that out if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sarah, your thoughts? As I, I keep talking, as I close my blinds, the sun, good problem, the sun's shining in my face, but. Yeah. Yeah, go um, So like, like Terry, I mean, I think we are, our primary focus at this second is to avoid the paralysis that comes with not knowing what to do and doing nothing. And yeah. so obviously yeah. wanting to avoid that circumstance where everything shuts down and then we have no idea how to get restarted. And when we go back, we don't know what to say and we don't know how to do it. And to everything that Ian said around, you know, finding a purpose and then being able to stand true to that and get the moment right, it will be essential that when brands go back in a big way and in, and in a more selfish way, that it is perceived and, uh, understood and felt the right in the right vein when it hits consumers as well. So, I mean, for us at the second, it's purely focused on trying to add context and perspective and value to the different leagues, teams, properties, people, family members, anyone that can benefit from understanding a little bit more fact-based, how people are feeling, how this is impacting them, recognizing that it's changing on a daily basis. And so in field every single week, asking lots of different types of questions. And some of them never see the light of day because it's just too pessimistic mm -hmm. and it's just not helpful. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, trying to focus on what can we learn? What can we understand? How can we set the stage so that when we're ready to come back, we're, we're doing it in the right way and in a way that will be remembered for the next 10 years, as Ian said, for the right reasons. So, I mean, definitely a shift to virtual, of course. I mean, that, that can go without saying at this moment. I think the only addition that I would make to the other comments is that life stage is certainly impacting this moment and what's possible from a balanced perspective. So I've got a four-year-old at home. Uh, wow. Thank God I have a partner that is tackling this with me because otherwise calls like this just wouldn't be possible. I mean he needs a lot of handholding at this moment in, in his life. And so trying to figure out how to be a fully present parent that's educating and nourishing and engaging and helping him go to the bathroom. And then, you know. This is the four-year-old, not the partner. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 good. good. Um, yeah, but yeah. I mean, it, it is, it's an entirely different challenge. And so I think yeah. again, not to not to come straight back to the optimism, but the resilience has been astounding. And if you told me that this scenario was going to play out, I would have been terrified, and probably underestimated yeah. what would have been possible. So uh, well I've been uh, I've been happily surprised by how well we've fared, all things considered. Well, that's it, right? And the human spirit, and we'll talk about that, has really had a chance to resurface, and it happens whenever there is tragedy and crisis, but. But it's just the sense of people, uh, even at a micro level, uh, to your point, in households doing things differently. You know, where my girls are 20 and 21. Thankfully, they're they're here with us. Um, we uh, so we don't have the young kids, but we have dogs, and you know, the one of them has a, a new little dog, four months old. So that's given us a great sense of joy and and you know, occupation. 
at a time like this, but it's almost become acceptable that these things happen. And that, uh, you know, that, that interview years ago where that professor was inter interrupted by his toddler who crashed the party and, and uh, sat on his lap and, or, and, and the, I think his wife ran in to try and get the kid out. It was, it was quite a moment, but now that's the norm, right? Is, is uh, people doing these things and getting interrupted, but hey, it's perspective. If that's the worst problem, uh, so be it, right? Yeah, we're all doing the best uh, we can. We're all doing the best we can. Um, so shifting to a new normal, you know, it, it, again, so much of the impact on sponsorship marketing, on the sponsorship marketing space has come from the cancellation. Carrie, you talked about it, of postponement, cancellation of events, be it festivals, be it sports, arts, even gala dinners. You think about the cost sector, how many events, and I've said this to many people, just think of the sheer volume of logistic changes, you know, scrambling to cancel, postpone, move. Um, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's the volume of it can blow your mind, you name it. Now, none of us know exactly when people will be able to gather on mass if it's going to, if we're going to come back with maybe modified, no crowds, then modified crowds, uh, spacing. Um, so just going around and Ian, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, you know, when that time comes, uh, what do you feel the new normal will look like for, uh, let's talk about brands first as it relates to their sponsorship uh, and events, uh, sponsorship of events, and then we'll talk maybe to properties. Uh, well, starting point maybe would be that none of us are going to get March, April, and May back. So the, the capacity for consumers to consume entertainment and sports and cause and, and culture is not going to expand. So if a consumer goes back to some semblance of normal, call it early summer, um, they, if they were, if they're a, a, a Gen Zer and had planned to go to four music festivals this summer, they may go to two. Um, so there, there's that capacity issue, I think, and, and think of even the major league sports teams coming back who may all be on top of each other. Um, just the, the, the supply and demand, there may be a gap there. Um, IMI uh, International is one of our research partners and we've been following um, what they share with us now bi-weekly pretty closely. Um, and there seems to be a shift going on at least in terms of expectation of how consumers will react. Um, where a couple of weeks ago, the, 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 the uh, hypothesis was consumers will come back and want small local um, neighborhood safe, psychologically safe sort of experiences. And now it seems not to, not to give Sarah away your, your, your stuff, but it seems there's pent up um, a demand growing for going to the big events and going to be with lots of people uh, and, and including going to restaurants and just going shopping. Um, so I think that's, that, that's important. We certainly in our experiential practice have spent a lot of the last four weeks doing exactly what you're talking about is, um, is closing things down, uh, repositioning things, uh, contingency planning, all that sort of thing. Um, but I think um, my, my human instinct would say that normal, normal will come back sooner than we probably think, but there's sort of a short-term and mid-term and then a long-term what normal will mean. And um, my hope is that the short-term normal, people bring with them some of the, Gavin, you mentioned some of the, the, the special moments you're probably having with your family over this time that you might normally not normally have had. 
I, I hope we'll spit, we might be a little less um, connected digitally and more connected in terms of analog and, and, and human connection. Um, I certainly know for myself, my, I, I try and live in gratitude a lot, but the things I take for granted now and what I'm grateful for has shifted in the last three weeks. So I, hope we'll I don't know if it was you, Ian, who said it to me. Um, uh, I've heard this, but the, there was a shift to back to analog, um, you know, maybe maybe a, a while ago there was this yeah. move, right? And maybe that's uh, that's not going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, you and I have talked about um, what my friend Mark Harrison at T1 calls the festivalization of North America, where there's been, right. there's been pressure on Tier 1 sports. There's been Mark a, always crashes every one of these things. So I'm like, okay, let's go. Um, but there's, there's been pressure on, on gate, on, on Tier 1 sports. There's been an increase in Tier 2, Tier 3 sports in terms of attendance. There's more food, agricultural, cultural, um, uh, community festivals than ever. And what we've seen is, is consumers spend so much of their time in the digital realm, they're looking for, even before COVID, they're looking for ways to have live, real experiences. Yeah. And, and even if we're planning experiential activations for the brands we work on, it's the tactical, active engagements that really get the most resonance, particularly for younger, younger consumers. Yeah, Sarah, thoughts on this? I mean, I certainly that, you're, you're tracking it, right? You're, you're asking yeah, brands and sure. people, right? Yeah, and I think being cognizant of the mind state of the people answering those questions in this moment is essential. So keeping in mind that, that the things that they are prioritizing are probably not whether or not we care about them coming back to large events. <laughs> um, so we're conscious of that, of course. I mean, I think Ian made a lot of good points. There are, we're definitely seeing a pent-up demand, and I think that the comment around uh, enjoying and acknowledging and being uh, grateful for the simple things. Sports has become one of those things where we're, we had no idea that you could ever turn off the switch and that it would go away almost overnight and that we would all be going, but where's my basketball? Where's my, where's my hockey? Where's my playoffs? And so everybody's going, I want that content. And so we see it, whether it's NASCAR going on Fox and getting mm -hmm. a million viewers, right? It might not have been, it might have been incredible content. It might not have been that great, but people were so hungry for it that either way it's gonna get the eyeballs at this second. Um, I think that we will go back to live events. There is nothing that we've seen so far that can replace the in-person experience that you get standing in front of a speaker at a concert or being at a game. It's just irreplaceable, but the idea of extending it beyond and thinking about how we can now engage and captivate fans who were never going to physically able be able to be there in person is an interesting idea to think about as the new normal and how we extend that experience beyond uh, and how brands can tap into everything we're figuring out digitally to make it a better experience once we do go back to some semblance of normal, knowing that the first couple large gatherings are also going to have a lot of baggage with them, whether we're wearing masks, whether we're fully present, whether there's social distancing or even some sort of barrier of how close we can actually get in those scenarios. I mean, there's just, yeah. there's so much still unfolding every day that it feels sort of not silly, but perhaps 
Um, yeah. Not all that productive to imagine what could be possible because we really don't know. But um, yeah. trying to stay abreast of what people are thinking about, what they're open to, even in these moments, to know that at this second, if you talk to Gen Z and millennial males, the, the number one thing they're missing is sports. That's fantastic yeah. news at this second. So to the silver lining idea, I'll finish uh -huh. everything I say with some sort of optimism, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it's, it. it's something that we're excited to go back to. Yeah, Carrie, you and I have talked a lot about this, that there we feel there will be, and I think it's consistent with the comments we've heard, is there will be this this desire, this pent-up um, demand for to, to reawaken a rebirth. Um, it will butt up against uh, some of the anxiety about, you know, returning to mass gatherings, but but there is a there, it does spell opportunity, doesn't it? Right. Yeah, I, I think it's. I mean, I think we're all. It's an opt, a bit of an optimistic call, which is nice. Which I think. Yes. Probably, I think because I think Gavin sometimes pushes me in that uh, that I can be overly optimistic in these situations. But yeah. I, I will. One that thing was that a backhanded just, way of saying I'm a I'm a pessimist. Was that uh, maybe? Was a, yes. Yeah, yeah. I always say uh, pe pessimists always say they're realists. By the way. <laughs> well, damn. Yeah, okay. Anyone, you say that all the time. People do that all the time. Oh, I'm not. Uh, you know, I hear. I'm you a say, realist. I'm every time somebody says they're a realist to me, they're they're consistently pessimists. So, um, <laughs> I think one of the uh, one of the things that I've you know you have time to do during this time is you're doing a lot of I'm doing a lot of googling and you know you're looking at the sports industry. And so, I found something to me that's really optimistic is uh, sort of I'm going to flip the tables on you here. Does anybody here know who the um, Highest paid athlete, factoring inflation is who the highest paid athlete of all time is. Babe Ruth. That's a good guess. Yes, we're close in the ballpark. Go further back. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's not really, for me. The no, it's not really, really. You know, almost no. So it's, and I only found this a few days ago. I, I'm actually not even going to say that. I'm not going to say the name because I can't pronounce it properly, but it's a chariot racer. So in the year zero, I was going to say that, guys. <laughs> in the year, in the year ben, around Ben Hur, Ben Hur, in that, that era, in that year. era, they and and also the other thing, the largest crowds in history were not Michigan State; they were chariot races. There were two hundred and fifty thousand people watching live. Sarah and Ian, I apologize. So <laughs> let's just see where this. Let's just see where this goes. I was going to say a week ago, I didn't know that, but but the um, <laughs> but the reality is the live sports aren't my. I'd be more definitive than they're not going anywhere like i would argue that uh this is still a small it's a blip in time you know even if someone works 40 years you know three months is is about point you know half of one percent of their work career let alone over a you know 100 year period or and every time there's a lockout in hockey people all said they won't come back didn't didn't take them very long but there were thousands of people saying i'll never watch again and 9-11 and so where i would agree i think there is a percentage of people that will be nervous um but i would argue there is a equally you know i don't have the i'm i'm the i don't have the numbers or any data on this but i would argue there's an equal number that may do you know um that may want to come back so badly that they may go to four concerts and you know and ian had suggested you know you're going to lose those three months you're right but i think there'll be some people that go to four concerts in october that may have gone to uh, April, June, August, October. Then that that's on the front of the curve, and that's the hope. And again, that's the optimist in me. But I do think that um, 
as Sarah said, there's nothing like large gatherings. There was all the, always a talk of, you know, you can have a giant screen TV or replicate it in a bar or a restaurant. It, there's no resemblance. It's not, uh, it's not just, uh, there's no similarity. So I think yeah. it's, it's human nature. So, you know, so my feeling yeah. is that it, it, it's all coming back. It's just a matter of, uh, it's a matter of time. Yep. A couple of things. Of, uh, one, one, what surprised me a little bit is I expected at this point the networks to have come up with more innovative ways of staying engaged with giving consumers content because we're still seeing, and listen, I've worked for Rogers Media. I've worked uh, in the Bell Media family. So um, uh, this is just, just, uh, just an observation that you know right now we're still seeing replay after replay after replay and plays of the decade and you know I, i've joked that i'm i'm only slightly less nervous watching the raptors championship run the second time <laughs> uh, you know my daughter and i were watching game seven against philly and she still grabbed my arm as Kawhi was was rounding the bench it was hilarious um, but but i expected some innovation from that group in terms of Maybe doing virtual panel discussions and and things of the, that nature. So I'm curious that maybe we're at. I hope I hope they're hunkered down, you know, planning that. The other thing is, um, what I'm wondering about is is what are the discussions happening in MLB's office in in TIFF's office uh, about what kind of protection as a property? What is our role as a property? to offer fans a safe environment. Because when 9-11 returned, when we returned from 9-11, there was greatly enhanced security protocols. I envisioned greatly enhanced uh, sanitation and, uh, you know, and, and concourses filled with, with stations to, to sanitize your hands and maybe offering masks. I don't know if they'll be supplied. Does, does the, 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 the virtual table here have any thoughts on, on those comments? I'm going to make one quick one, which yeah. is that I think we have to acknowledge how quickly this all happened. So to the to the relief of Bell and, and Rogers, I think that, you know, our March one company update said nothing about closing our office in a couple of weeks. So the idea of getting prepared for this and then having yeah. the ability to come together as a team to say, what's our innovative, strategic, thoughtful approach in this moment? I think that might be expecting yeah. something that was impossible that they would have loved to have done but just never prioritized and and i think that in the second we're all finding things that we can do that we never were able to prioritize before and so trying to make the most of this moment um is something we're all conscious of doing in terms of the the way that we'll come back and and the circumstances and and the role of the leagues um i mean obviously it's going to be something that i think consumers will now expect right it's not just going to be what are they planning to do from a, a requirement or a regulatory perspective, but really what are fans going to feel more comfortable coming back to? And I think seeing a lot of sanitization stands or stations will certainly help put minds at ease and allow them to, to fully appreciate being there in person. Things like that might just be, might be necessary from a mental health perspective, even more so than from an actual sanitization lens. I mean, you have no yeah. idea where people are coming from. It, it might not be all that useful, but just visually, optically, it might help. So yeah, I'll throw it over to the guys to continue expanding on that, but I just wanted to give them a little bit of a, an Yeah, edit. relief, yes, yes, yeah. well said. Yeah. Uh, More than uh, fair. 
uh, we've none of us have done our jobs before in a pandemic. Um, so we should give ourselves a little bit of room there. But um, I think in crisis comes innovation. And I think uh, as we get into week three, week four, we'll see the really special things come out of brands and come out of properties that are really going to resonate. Um, in terms of our experiential practice, we've already set in our protocols for how we will come back in terms of how we engage with consumers. That includes uh, what we're calling the theater sanitization, meaning being very visible to be have a very strong focus on, on that. Um, hand sanitizer stations will now be forever in each of our footprints. Uh, we don't plan to give away premiums for maybe up to 12 months. Um, we're thinking about how we use technology and, and touch points and that sort of thing. Um, we're sort of content used to be king, now it's content first. So, uh, and, and how do you be more digital? So if you're giving away a premium, can it be a digital premium? Can it be a gift card? Can it be something like that? Um, but I think the, the, the key distinction is that people's psychological safety will be more important far long after their physical safety is, is addressed. Yeah. I think there's a, on this one, there's a relatively recent precedent to me, which is security after 9-11. And I think that was an example at sporting events. At I, I know I, I, my wife and I happened to go to, we went to New York City on the millennial in the, uh, that was our decision to go to Times Square on 2000. So you're crazy. Well, yeah, see now. <laughs> But see, that's as you say that, right? So in 2002. Even then, I would have said it. Okay, so, okay maybe, maybe. But it didn't see. Here's the thing. It did. That's the funny thing about it. We would never have gone into. Uh, we realized on about September 12th how crazy that, of September uh, 2001, how crazy that was. But in the millennium, so the one we went was still the largest group that's ever been there because two years later that changed. There were 3 million people in Times Square and limited security never yeah. again right it would never nothing like that would ever and and we can't conceive of the craziness that we went then and i think september 11th did that with everything with the way airport security is the way and i think people just are in fact probably much more comfortable if you went to an airport now and there was no security or limited you'd be really uncomfortable so to me it reminds me of I think the way everything will be treated relative to sanitation and health to me will be that that to me is a model of, of sort of that we in North America anyway. I'm not sure if that that resonated to the same extent in Europe, but I think we live in a, you know, that you talk the terms used all the time post 9-11 world. You know, I think our yeah. uh, millennials can't relate to maybe that, but I think for 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 us, I think we so to me as you guys, as Ian, you said there in particular, I think, um, yeah, it's deciding what does that look like. And people will expect it. I think people will want to go to a Blue Jays game where there's 40,000 people, but they're sure as heck going to want to make sure that every possible uh, thing is in place to uh, that there's there's no risk of contamination. So I think I, I think it's a good model. Good. Oh, great, great feedback. Um you know, I do much of my work, shift to helping moment. I do much of my work um, helping properties generate revenue. I know, Carrie, we, we collaborate a lot on that. And it's very clear that this is a time to help and support and not sell. A uh, helping moment, not a selling moment. And Ian, you, we've used that. I've heard you, you say that. It has been heartwarming to see people and companies step up. So my first question 
you know, that's a given. We all know that. Just so maybe a little bit of a different twist on this is, is do you feel brands need to be mindful of authenticity in a time like this where obviously you, the answer to that is always yes, should always be yes. But in a time like this, can they do harm if they are trying to help? And, and I, I qualify that by, I've maybe noticed some brands where I question you know, what is their real motive here? Uh, like, have they established, given their brand um, attributes and their brand uh, uh, behavior to this point before, that they maybe have permission to act as they are now in the way they're helping, whereas others, it feels like they're just jumping in. And, uh, but again, maybe that's okay at a time like this. What, uh, Sarah, why don't we go back and start with you on this? These are uncharted waters. Right. So the idea of what is acceptable or allowed or or expected or going to be received well is just unknown. So I think that the idea of suggesting that there's some rule book for this moment, I, I don't think one exists. What we're seeing so far is that we're still so early days that the brands that are stepping up with meaningful, helpful ways to make an impact today. The ones like Rogers and Bell waving overages, the Budweiser's of the world redirecting five million dollars to help fight COVID, the the distilleries in the U.S. shifting to sanitizer production. Those are the ones that at this second are getting the recognition as being focused on the right things. And I think it's a, a question of how can you communicate that you're focused on the right things, which comes back to the the broader discussion about timing, around what are you going to say. And when are you going to say it so that you can start to build up? Rest assured, we're focused on that. At the same time, here's something we think that will either add value to your day, brighten your day, give you something to consume for the next two hours, entertain you, whatever that might be. But it's all going to have to come from a place that feels authentic, to your point. I mean, that that is a no-brainer. That, that has to come back to a place of authenticity. And if opportunism is something that people take away from that communication, it's not going to bode well. So sure. I think that I think that playing this out little by little and being conscious and, and looking at the response that you're getting on each interaction will be really important right. so that you understand how people are reacting to you. And you can then expand on that or dive into something that you see getting really great engagement and then moving on from there. But really being focused on taking that feedback that consumers will be happy to give you because not only do they have the time and the means, but but it's something that obviously they're able to do. So, yeah, absolutely. So I think being well being very conscious of of that first message and the expectation, and then you know contributing in the right ways in 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 a way that feels possible and authentic, and then and then going from there. Yeah, um, I think first and foremost, it's making sure as a brand you're not coming off as tone deaf, that you're not bringing the wrong message at the wrong moment. I think also you need to think about what you're doing for, not just talking about uh, for your employees, your consumers or customers, and then your community. One of the one of the metrics, I'm not suggesting this is the context, but one of the metrics I've seen a lot out of our clients and other brands is uh, this is the right thing to do. It's not, this is what's gonna give us good brand health lift, what's going to get good conversation or good clicks is this is the right thing to do. Um, and what I also have seen is, is silos break down at brands where corporate communications, brand, PR, HR are all coming together to create solutions that are easily to, easy to um, cascade and that work. Um, 
I think it's really, really critical. And I've seen this a little bit from some brands where they're saying something, but not doing something. So mm -hmm. better to do than just say, uh, one of our clients' competitors uh, put a TV spot out recognizing frontline healthcare workers and thanking them. Okay, yeah. we spent media against that. Would those dollars have been better suited to go to support what those yeah, frontline no healthcare workers mm -hmm. are doing? So I think you know the the the, the message and the, or the 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 talk and the walk. You got to do the walk, and yeah. if you do if you do the walk. You will ultimately get recognized with attribution, but make sure you're not the person talking about the walk. Yeah, well, uh, brand. Yeah, I'm confused talking about. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's very that's. But at the same yeah. time, if if nobody knows that you're doing it, you'll never be recognized. So no, it's a blend, I, I, right? I, I think, think it's yeah, there's blend. a balance there because I mean, obviously, there we're all in business. We're trying to stay in business. Right. There has to be at some level some recognition of doing something. So I totally hear you. I think. It's the discussion of what's the right balance and, and what is the right thing to do and then to help make sure that people know that you're focused on it. Yeah, sorry, sorry just to clarify, uh, maybe make sure you're not starting the conversation, um, but also make sure that your communication is is showing uh, not your brand first, but the action first. Yeah, and the absolutely. And the, the intended benefactor of that action. Exactly. Ian, uh, before we move to Carrie, I'd be remiss, like one of your uh, top clients is uh, a brand that was about to shift into full-on Olympic celebration, you know, activation mode. Toyota, amazing job um, mm -hmm. last last uh, go round in terms of uh, bringing their Olympic spirit and campaign to life. This was going to be a big year, especially where it was going to be held. Tokyo, yeah. it's being pushed back to 2021. What is maybe a little insight into what kind of conversations you, you've been having? I love their their communication. I hope they're, I trust they're doing something more than that, uh, to your point, but they've come out with, you know, the, the right tone and, and the right kind of message at a time like this. Just maybe some insights into what, what, what Toyota has been doing, thinking, saying. It, it's a it's a big it's a big thing uh, because uh, we obviously have domestic COC and CPC rights. We have NOC partner, uh, sorry, um, uh, NSO partners. We have athletes. Mm -hmm. We have global rights. IOC top partner, IPC partner, uh, ga games partner. It's it's fully integrated. Um, and uh, Toyota always grounds back to values, and it was about what's the right public health. Uh, move here uh, from a from a Olympic Paralympic community perspective, and then how do we make sure our athletes are safe and supported? Um, yeah. So shifting to next year is complex because there's there's obviously a lot of plans that were in place, um, and and shifting it to next year is complex but not unfathomable. Um, it's it's the right thing to do right across the board. Yeah, um, and and you know, Carrie and I have talked about this that we. There, one of the silver linings I'm seeing is if you you were not in the case of Toyota, so I'm not saying this on the back of that comment, but it just leads me to this thought, and then we'll get Carrie's insights into this question. But the you know the luxury of time, sponsorship discussions often get hindered by the pressure of time and scrambling. You know the events coming up, and and you know properties are trying to get a partner engaged. Now we have maybe the luxury of pausing, doing what's right in a time like this, and then restarting the conversation at the right time with ample runway. 
And maybe we will do it differently than we would have if we would have been rushing to just fit it in to the the 2020 version of whatever that event would would have been. And just right. just so I know I know this yeah. question is for Carrie, but just to 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 address that question a little bit is that yeah because Please. because of the postponement we sort of look at this as a soft boil year, meaning there's a cycle to engagement around Olympics and Paralympics, and we will have more opportunity to leverage those relationships over the next year than we might normally would in a, in an off year. There you go. And then we also have the context that Beijing will be almost on top of Tokyo. Mm -hmm. So that that compressed cycle will mean uh, more room for innovation, more room to find ways to bring the Olympics and Paralympics home and, and make them relevant for, for Canadians in this market, for sure. Yeah, great, great point. Carrie, thoughts? Yeah, I just I think it's just echoing what everybody's saying, but sincerity will win the day. I think it's just the, the mistake for anybody, if it's a property or a brand, is if you feel like a by the way. In other words, um, here, we're doing something for healthcare workers or we're providing a credit on phones. By the way, would you like to buy? In other words, if it comes too soon or it or it's in the same message or it's not, um, you know, I think the brands generally that do a great job of it, you know, when Bell Let's Talk or Craft Hockeyville, they don't talk about Craft Hockeyville and mix it in with your cheese slices. And I think that the in a bigger scope here, I think that, People will know that Bell sells phones or McDonald's sells hamburgers or Toyota sells cars or the Toronto Rock sells lacrosse tickets. They're not going to forget that. So the mistake yeah. that I think some brands are doing and some organizations are doing is they're, they're too tightly mixing the two things. Whereas I think now is a time to listen and... Um, focus on one specific that to me shows sincerity more than anything is if you kind of just you park your sales objectives entirely because it's going to circle back and the, and this period of time will be relatively short but I think there's there's still a fair bit of that by the way uh, mentality people are too smart if if sure if you and feel sensitive like right, now. right yeah. sensitive right now if you feel like somebody's doing something but there's really a a hidden Ulterior, motivation yeah. of any, yeah, so anyway, I think that's the key in, in my mind. And can, can, what can, pro, you know, we're seeing so much, I think right now, what brands are doing, you know, whether it's, um, uh, you know, Bauer uh, releasing the technology so that their face masks technology can be, or, or products can be mass produced, right? And, and um, you know, uh, Sarah, you gave some great examples of brands, uh, you know, what, what can properties be doing right now? What can they be helping at a time like this? Any, Carrie, maybe you have you seen any of your property clients? I'll give you yeah, one thought. I, I know some some stadiums have been re well. I would say I would, I would right uh, yeah, for hospital. Would, yes, yes. So look, I think any. Yeah. I think things. So I would say I was going to answer a different way, but I would say the first yeah. thing. Things like what Bauer is doing is paramount, and I think that people will remember that. I think if you're in a position where there's something tangible you can do that will make a difference. So you let, you know, you turn your stadium into a hospital or anything. I think for, I would say that first, but I would say secondly, if you can't do that or you don't necessarily know how to, I can tell you we have a, you know, we had a call, we're doing some training calls and the Brampton Beast hockey team is a very small brand in Brampton. But we have a staff of, you know, 10 
10 and some interns. And our objective is to reach out to everybody in Brampton, not Brampton Beast fans and not sponsors and not former sponsors and not the well, We're going to start there, but there are, our concept would be to reach out to people that have zero relationship with the hockey team, but just to say, how are you? And there's nothing. And, and those conversations won't have anything to do with the hockey team or who we are. And I think, I think organizations that you know, properties that still have people there and are able to do that. I, I think what we have found, which I, I could say maybe this is a, uh, a really positive thing that we've learned in the last 10 days is people love having these conversations. Like our guys are having long conversations about, uh, I said, love having people want to talk. They're, they're at home. They're, situation their world is upside down there so so people want to talk maybe more than any time i can remember so i i would say it's a, it's a bit of a, a funny answer there but i think if they're um if you can communicate and listen and have meaningful conversations with people about life and their reality and their world um it seems to be that that's more important than ever. So, you know, I, I'd yeah, lead with yeah. the what power's doing, if you can do it, is, is the best way to go. But if you're not able to do that, I think just listening and having meaningful conversations, I think, is, is very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts uh, from, from the table? I think that this is an interesting time for players and for the humans behind the, yes. the uniforms to really step up. Mm -hmm. So, whether it's Zach Hyman playing video games with fans. You know, it's it's not necessarily something he might have had the the forethought to carve out in his schedule to make that opportunity to build that relationship with fans on a different level than anything he'd ever done before. But at the same time, it's the kind of thing that is uplifting and, and creating a relationship and a connection at this moment that is going to be, I think, long lasting. And so thinking about whether it's Serge Ibaka creating Instagram content, you know, I mean, whatever. Talking whatever to the medical community, right, exactly, recently. Exactly, he, he Matthews and sick kids. I mean, I, yeah. I think that there's a, a humanizing of these players that could be something that they benefit from, from a long, for a long time if they're clever enough to try and add value in the right ways at this moment. And so authentic yeah. engagement with fans, creating great content, showing that you know how they're staying fit or how they're exercising from home You're seeing right? a lot of great content aren't exactly. you on social mm -hmm. with 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 exactly. athletes and celebrities uh yeah. uh and how they're managing through it exactly and try to keep the conversation going there are a lot of humans behind these leagues that are continuing to work hard to think about what the next step will be but at this second i think that carrie said it you said it best you know what what can we do in this moment to try to to add value and so these players i think are an interesting interesting option for that. Yeah. Ian, any thoughts? Yeah, just whether you're a brand or a property, I mean, a property is a brand. Uh, this is the time to earn trust that you will leverage after. Um, and if you're looking at your COVID-19 strategy, uh, start with uh, how are you evaluating or reassessing what you were doing and what your immediate future looks like? Uh, how are you then responding to the crisis? And then how are you preparing for after the crisis? Because after the crisis, unless we spend time and energy putting some strategic thinking there, uh -huh. the world will come back and it's going to come back fast. And, and to, the, to, to the points we've been discussing on the call, um, we need to be mindful about how consumers will show up differently and how we need to show up differently. So there's, yeah. there's a lot to be done. 
but uh, making sure you're saying and doing the right things at the right time is just really critical. Yeah. Any any other before we move to the last topic? Any other brands or and you said it well, Ian. Uh, properties or brands as well. So we'll, you know, it could be celebrities, it could be people, uh, but more keep it keep it in the 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 sponsorship marketing realm. Any which includes brands and properties. Who's who's standing out to you right now is doing great things. And Sarah, you gave some good examples in your initial answer. Uh, any, any, please, anybody just chime in with any thoughts. I think, I'll let the guys go first. Yeah. I think, uh, hearkening back. Who's caught, who's caught your attention, right? For lack of a better term, it doesn't have to be somebody you're working with. Yeah. I think hearkening back to what Sarah was saying earlier, I think a lot of brands are still trying to find their footing mm -hmm. and, and get their messaging out. Um, I think that it's amazing, uh, how quickly um, you can move when you need to. Um, yeah. Last week, we were involved in an IMC uh, multi-agency effort around messaging for a client's response to COVID. In 48 hours, we probably did four months worth of work. It just moved fast and aligned yeah. and, 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 and we got it done. Um, and that was a long 48 hours, but nonetheless, um, and seeing, seeing brands put out commercial TVCs because the media tracking is showing people are watching a lot more broadcasts right now. And the, you know, the internet pipe is getting punched because there's so much content, including streaming going through. So finding consumers where they are, but seeing a brand put a brand spot out that has no shoot attached to it and is all edit suite that's done remotely is just amazing. So I think it's teaching a lot of us how we can be more nimble and more reactive going forward and coming yeah. out of this. Um, I, I, I think uh, Adidas is doing a really great job. Nike's done a great job in just showing up with the right tone of voice, with the right message in front of the right audience. And, and, and uh, that, that's the win. Yeah. Carry any thoughts? On uh, yeah, I, I, would say, I would say that the brands that can, that can do something in the current climate, I don't know. I see notice Uber eats and skip the dishes and as, Sarah mentioned Bell and Rogers. If you're doing something that doesn't relate to COVID, the strategy is probably going to be hollow. So, if, so the Bowers, you know, you hear GM is going to be making face masks. And I think those, I, I, I think, you know, I, I think the examples being relevant and the whole world is, is dealing with one situation. So I, I think I would say that, yeah. but, but Ian, Ian made the point too. I think a lot, I think the, it's, it, people are trying to figure it out really fast i mean and to sarah's point we played a hockey game on march 10th there was no issues there wasn't even any consideration of not playing that game so yeah. you think of how quickly the speed how quickly this has happened in some ways it feels like i know to a lot of people it's been we're, we're not even through a month so i yeah. think that i just think adjusting is yeah. um pretty pretty tough pretty quick i'm sure, sure you guys are seeing this too but the fashion industry, I mean, for me, that's been a big one in terms of stepping up and whether it's Christian Siriano making a thousand masks a week um, or even Smythe brand here in Canada, you know, doing a 10 minute Instagram tutorial on how to make your own mask at home and literally showing you a step by step of how to protect yourself. That, I think, completely echoes, Carrie, what you're saying in terms of. What is the value that you can add to this moment? Is that a long-term strategy? No. Are they going to create a, a, you know, a mini series about masks? Probably not. 
But in this second, I thought it was really valuable content that made me feel a little bit more in control of the situation, which is something that we all are, are salivating for, that idea of how do I just take a little bit more ownership over the second and feel a bit more in control than I did 10 minutes ago. And so the idea of a brand saying, here's exactly how to protect yourself. Here's the step-by-step of how big to cut the fabric and then where to sew it. And you know, and, and giving that kind of advice and content, I think is really important. And, and those brands, I do agree with everything Ian said as well in terms of those are the memories that we will now attach to those brands and they will get a little bit more of a share of mind when I see them through Instagram and I'll stop a little bit more frequently to see what they're up to and what they're saying in the future because now I feel a little bit closer to the value that they bring. So uh, yeah. I think that, that this is this is a, spe- a spec in the grand scheme of things, but it is a really powerful moment. I, I would just, I just, I'll, I'll, yeah, go just ahead. add one quick thing. I think we were talking a lot about, which is obviously the primary thing, relief to health and the immediate. The second one is financial. Yeah, people need I was, financial. I was actually going to go there. Yeah, everybody needs financial relief. So, yeah. so to you, to I think Sarah made the point. I didn't know that that Bell and Rogers um, lifted the overage. Yeah. I, I had I had somebody that was a big issue yesterday. It was people were talking about that Loblaws was charging a delivery fee for for, and I don't know if they are or they aren't, aren't to be honest. Um, but I think organizations that are lifting the financial burden is is um, second, but it's. Uh, it's it's unparalleled. So I think if com- that's a second way that companies that maybe can't be Bauer and make masks or can't, you know, the second way is can they stop can they their stop relief, their billing? Yeah. Do you right? Do put put? And I think a lot of companies are in positions to do that, where they can yeah. suspend payments or make adjustments. And and by the way, I've just real quick, sorry, I I found a mix. Like we work with a lot of companies, and some are very understanding and others are a bit business as usual and maybe it's somebody in the credit department but it reflects poorly upon the organization when someone is asking for a thousand dollars that normally was due and if they're not prefacing it yeah um some big companies are are really poor at that right now where there's still a bit too much business as usual so i would say that that's important too and, and what I'm starting to see along that line, you're right, there's a massive financial crisis, um, you know, on the back of this health crisis, no question. And that will last for a long time, even after we resume back, you know, uh, to living our lives. Normally, what, what, what I found interesting, I think it was um, James Patterson, acclaimed novelist, um, uh, has started a fund to uh, support independent booksellers. Right, um, brands like Molson and you work with Labatt, and um, you know finding ways to help restaurants and bars and small operators in that space because the small medium businesses are the the heart of our economy in many respects. And and uh, I think you see a lot of the big brands, but it's uh, these these little ones are suffering tremendously. So I'm starting to be heartened by uh, efforts to get that small business, small, medium business um, uh, standing on its feet when, or, or weathering the storm. You know, there's, um, as I say, they, that, that, the, that restaurant community has just been devastated by this, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's the, the, the big brands are getting visibility and those are some of the things, some of them we've been referencing just now, but um, mid-sized and small businesses that are bearing a big brunt of the financial burden 
are doing yeah. amazing things as well. Uh, I, a friend of mine uh, runs a office furniture manufacturing company and they're converting production to build partitions for hospital wards. Um, another guy I know who is in the the, the um, recycling business from a, from a product perspective is making masks and gowns and they're not big, big companies, but they're doing what they can to, to give back to their community and to contribute. And, and it's, it's, it's also being human, much like we've been talking with the, the big brands are. are, are yeah. Um, and the other last one, a quick one is, you know, seeing brands, big brands that are benefiting through this into, you know, not that they intended to, but they're the, the unintended beneficiaries. So the Zooms, the Netflixes, you know, Netflix, I was pleased to see created a big fund to give back to uh, support the the more independent uh, layer of the content uh, creation community. And, and I think, I hope you'll see brands like Zoom find ways to uh, to to give back because what a boom they've gone through, right? And it's, listen, nobody, nobody has held, nobody has to do anything, but um, I think this is a time where everybody's um, almost expecting that. So, which creates to me opportunity. Um, so let's, let's wrap with optimism and we've had a lot of it throughout and it's wonderful. And thank you for that. You know, my thoughts, um, before the question is, you know, we go through life, we easily slip into autopilot mode in our personal professional lives, going through the motions, a sense of complacency. We're human beings. It, it just happens. And um, I'm, I'm really upset with Ian because he mentioned the term and I had already gone out and printed t-shirts with this, but um, so I, I, I guess I can't claim, claim it's mine, but that from crisis comes innovation. And um, I did uh, read an article in Forbes that, that went down this path and, and it said through that uh, crisis produces innovation accelerators. And it's so true, and you're seeing it. So while COVID-19 has shaken us to the core, uh, it's also forced us to rethink how we live, how we communicate, how we do business, uh, how we run business, and that reimagining can be a good thing. So I'll, I'll stop rambling there and invite um, you know comments, maybe Carrie, if you want to start uh, silver linings that are coming from this, right? That uh, maybe the unintended consequences of a global pandemic yeah i think it again it's it sort of seems somewhat awkward to use those words but i think they're important i think we become better look i think a lot of things aren't happening we're not talking about people aren't talking about wars between countries and you're not talking there's a, there's a lot of other things you know it seems funny you say well but there's no other news there's no other there are very few conflicts that are relevant anywhere there's a real um, you know, yes, yes, we all maybe feel like we're in a movie, um, which is, I think, a part of this whole moment that's going on. But I think there is a really, um, you know, the world is is sort of banding together. And I think that's very empowering and uh, uh, makes you believe in, um, in, in, in the future. And I think we can sort of band together and do that. And I just go back to the thing is it's, it's a couple of you said it, it's a moment in time which when you're in the middle of it, it's the, it's the great line that it's darkest before the dawn. You can't, it's very hard to see it, but nothing in this pandemic suggests that um, there isn't an end date. You know, it may scare people when they hear it's 18 months, but nobody's saying it's 18 years, you know, and there's an end. So there's an end and there's some, you know, I think we're, 
we're going to get there. And I think we, we, so I think it's really, um, if we take this as an opportunity to plan ahead and realize that there will be tremendous pent up uh, energy for people to come out when we live entertainment uh, in particular in that space, uh, let's, you know, be better and figure it out. So, I, but, but I think it's, I think it is important. What I would just leave with is a lot of people, Gavin, I think you said it, particularly, I think people that are younger that haven't been through anything like this, um, they don't, I mean, a lot of people are lost. And I think the, if we can bring some of that optimism, I think it's extremely important. I think a lot of other people don't start there. They're doom and gloom and I can't go outside and I'm sitting at my computer and we have a lot of people work with us, Gavin knows, in, in their 20s. And, and I, it's a bit surprising. To be honest, they're struggling in I'm generalizing, but more than those in their 40s and 50s and 60s, I find that they're in, don't know what to do with themselves. And I think it, it if, if we can make sure that that message is, um, has a lot of optimism, and I think that's really important. Yeah. I started with Sarah, so I'm going to end with Sarah. So, uh, Ian, why don't you take it next? Yeah, thank you. Um, I think we all have a choice in how we place our energy, and we can either place it in, in pessimism or optimism. I tend to fall on the side of optimism. Um, I think uh, we, we, I'm you, a realist. You're, you're a realist. That's what your T-shirt says. <laughs> nice <try. laughs> um, but I, I think whether it's as people, as organizations, um, we're going to come out. Uh, those that come out, because there will be there will be casualties from a business perspective for sure. But those that come out the other side will be uh, more efficient, uh, better, stronger, faster. Um, I think uh, Carrie mentioned it earlier. 9-11 fundamentally changed us. And I think aside from the war that, that followed, uh, North American society at least became kinder and gentler. Um, we live in, in uh, Greek town in Toronto and I haven't been out of my neighborhood in I think three weeks or it might be nine years, I can't, uh, six months, I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> but just- What day uh, is it? Yeah, uh, yesterday, today. Yeah, that's right. It's today, that's right. it's today. Okay, it it's the day before tomorrow, thank yes. Okay, yeah. thanks. But it's interesting just when when going for a walk around around the neighborhood, people are are smiling and saying hello as we both get off the sidewalk in, in socially <laughs> responsible Why, ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it, but I think yeah. I think this will fundamentally change us and obviously the length and depth of it will impact to what degree. But I I I, I only see good on the other side. There's a lot of pain to go through in the in the midpoint, but as we said, it's a it's a moment in time. Yeah, Sarah. So I'll, I'll preface my response with the fact that I am healthy and my family's healthy and everyone that I care about is healthy. And so my perspective on this, I think, is is potentially uh, more unique. But but the reality that I can try to focus on the things that I do have control over, I, I think the resiliency that we've seen in terms of what people can actually handle has been amazing. The, the types of outputs that we can create when we're not sitting in the same room together has been really eye-opening. And I do think that that will have a lasting impact. I mean, my gratitude has been completely renewed from the simplest you know, roof over my head and, and being in Canada to the fact that I am able to do my work from home. I mean, there's so many people who don't have that luxury and who are forced to go out into the world in, in this moment and be scared to go to work 
or don't have a job to go to because nobody's eating at their restaurant anymore. So I think that, that being able to have a purpose and to figure out a way to balance this has been uh, really, I think, eye-opening. I just, I would never have expected that that we could have done this well under these circumstances. Uh, and Carrie, to your point around the youth, I think that in the big picture, this is now a life experience that they've had. And so they're building this mental memory of, of what it's like to be in these situations. And I think that having an empowered workforce of Gen Zs and millennials who are focused on not just getting through these moments, but it will probably happen again. So how are we gonna tackle this differently? What are the lasting pieces of technology that will roll into making the next solution that much quicker? How are we gonna benefit from this shared global sense of priority to figure this out and, and have a solution on the table as quickly as possible? I mean, there there is a lot of a lot of things to be grateful for in this moment. And I, I think as long as we all stay focused on the right things, then we'll get to the other side as quickly as possible. Well, that's that's a, a great way to wrap. Uh, guys, thank you. Uh, it was a longer chat, but uh, you know, than, than I promised you. Uh, so thanks for staying yeah. in and staying, staying <laughs> engaged. But yeah, just great insights and uh, uh, wishing you uh, health and uh, and enjoy. Uh, be grateful for all those little things. But uh, have a great weekend, and uh, we will uh, we will connect soon. Thanks so much. It was just okay, yeah, I just say it was great. Yeah. It was thanks Thank for, for I mean, I yeah. I appreciate meeting Sarah and Ina. It was a really nice conversation. So Gavin, thanks for sure. putting it together. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate thanks. it. Bye, okay. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. bye.